Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. This particular series, we focus on our word for the year, which is outside. We're going to hit all kinds of ideas and directions from that perspective. I hope you enjoy. So you all excited about what today starts? You a little scared? You a little, I don't think I can do this? Y'all just willing to try? I think that's the good thing. We're willing to try. I don't. When we uh, partake in this Daniel fast together, I would encourage you to do as much with it as you possibly can, but don't be hung up with what you cannot, because ultimately it's to draw us to God. I want to start this year, this first Sunday of the year, talking about our word, and we'll go ahead and stick that graphic up there. How fun is that? See the box, and then it's outside. Uh, most of what we talk about today is going to be, to, or today or this next few weeks, is should challenge the way we normally think about things. Should challenge what we think about church. Should challenge what we think about our relationships with God. Should challenge how we go about our daily lives and routines. And I like the idea of challenging myself. God's not challenged. You know that, right? He's there's nothing difficult for him. Nothing too difficult for him, but we can get challenged where we have to get into difficult situations. And I don't mean bad, I mean in ways that we have to rely on him to work miracles. I want to encourage you this year to begin to dream that God would do things that are beyond your capabilities. Because if you can do it on your own, that's not faith and probably it's not much God. He might be okay with it, but what he wants us to do is some things that are beyond our scope of uh, gifting, skill sets, and ability. So, Anyway, so today as we look at this word outside, our first week, I want to talk about the box. No better way to start a whole series off than getting outside of our preconceived ideas of way things should be. Now, let me ask, I don't know if you are like this, but I'm a person of routine. I like it when my, you wouldn't be, you'd probably be surprised to know that. But I like it when my routine comes together. Now, I'm not necessarily a routine by clock, but by process. I like it when things happen. And most of um, what I do is based, is preset. I'm very rarely do I just surprisingly wing it. Um, God does that to me occasionally. And every now and then, I, I remember one time, Vanessa and I, we'd not been married a year yet. And um, I was supposed, I think it was a Friday. I was supposed to go into work that day. We're laying in bed, and Vanessa didn't have to go to work. I think she was, might have, no, I don't know if she was still at Subway or not. But anyway, she didn't have to go to work whatever day this was, and I had to go to work. Well, I called in sick. We got in the car, and we spontaneously drove to Tulsa. We came home with a new two-seater convertible. We didn't even set out to do that. That's not how I live anymore. That gets me in trouble. Um, but I would you would you agree though that we like to be comfortable, and sometimes our routine, especially for our kids, and there's nothing wrong with actually the best thing ever for our children is routine, consistent bedtimes, consistent wake up times, consistent meal times. Consistency is for in our life has been the gold standard. But um, I think most of us like 
be in our realm of comfort, right? Is it, we like to be comfortable. Yeah, comfort's good, right? I like it. Wouldn't be comfortable if it wasn't comfortable, right? We wouldn't like it if it wasn't comfortable. But um, we think we tend to live best when we're comfortable. We tend not to uh, venture out into that realm of it's never been done that way before, therefore I'll never do it that way. But what if we need to be a little uncomfortable for at least 21 days or more? What if we need to get out of this comfort zone that we've been in? Um, I remember one winter, I had a blue early 90s square headlight Jeep, the best Jeep ever, and it snowed really, really good, like 8 or 12 inches of snow, and I was driving down I-49 in northwest Arkansas, and uh, I was in the ruts and doing just fine, and I decided that I was going to pass a car, because I was driving that Jeep, go anywhere, and I got out of those ruts and threw me into the center median of the highway. That's where I learned the rock technique. Ever been stuck and you rock the car forward and backward, forward and backward, forward and backward to get more movement and then eventually you get momentum to get out? That's, that's how you work that. But anyway, um, I got out of what appeared to be a rut that threw me into a tailspin. Now, ruts can be bad too. Have you ever been driving in a rut and it threw you out of control? I have. I've done that. Um, but we've got to think of this idea of a box being kind of like our ruts, our way things need to be done. Um, I'm going to try today, though. I'm going to attempt in some fashion to point you through Scripture um, that shows that it's safest and it's best when we're placed outside of the box of comfort um, we thought was protecting us. It's keeping us on course. Protection comes from trusting God even in the unthinkable or the unimaginable. Think about that for a minute. The safest place to be is where God has us, and I can tell you he rarely has us where we just go with the flow. We rarely are placed in a comfort zone. We're rarely placed in ruts, but we're forging new paths and new territories. The thing about God in this realm of the unthinkable is we've got to place him there and we've got to rely on him there because that's where God moves the most. I prayed it earlier today. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. Think about that scripture for a minute, that he is doing something far more than I can think That tells me God completely and totally operates outside of a box, outside of a preset way of doing things. He lives there, he operates there, he stays there, and he desires for us to be there. And he's always expanding our box, so to speak, our thought process. And there is no way we can outthink or outimagine God that every time we think bigger, he thinks bigger. And every time we think bigger, he thinks bigger. And every time he thinks bigger, he thinks, go ahead, bigger. Good. Just seeing if you're with me on that train of thought there. So that's a pretty amazing thing of God thinking bigger. Now, I'm going to talk for a few moments this morning about a woman that was um, 
tired of the life she was living in, and she decided desperately to get outside of her box, her rut. Now, her box was infirmity, was sickness, was illness. She had been sick for 18 years. She wasn't going to allow what her life and her body was telling her she was stuck to. She was going to jump out and do some pretty incredible things, and we're going to see this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. And just look at three verses this morning. I'm going to look at a whole lot more verses, but our main text is going to be these three verses. And it opens in verse 10. It says, now he, who do you think he was? Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. <laughs> and behold, there was a woman who had, who had had, that's awesome, a disabling spirit for how long? 18 years. We established that in just a minute. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. Sounds like maybe an arthritic condition or some kind of a chronic back or pain scenario. So this went on. She could not straighten up. She was bent over, and we can assume probably in severe pain. Verse 12 says, when Jesus saw her, how many of you are glad that Jesus looks out and he sees us? Did Jesus see her when she was in her greatest place? Did Jesus see her when she was walking in divine healing? Did Jesus see her when she was living in personal righteousness where holiness was right? Did she see her? Did he see her when she was all good? No, he looked out. He sees us right where we are. He sees us in the condition that we are. He sees us where we sit and what we go through. But I am convinced by reading this passage of Scripture that he is not interested at all in looking at us where we are and keeping us there. He goes on and he called to her. He said to her over, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And then, verse 13, he laid his hands on her and immediately, say immediately, immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. One of the traps that I think we get into sometimes is praying for people for healing and thinking, well, God, over time you will do the work. Now, I'm sure he can and will, but I believe that Jesus healed people immediately. That he's in a position of causing immediate effects. And when I say healing, that might not necessarily mean our hunched over pain, but in our brokenness, he calls us to wholeness immediately. That's why I believe that somebody battling with addiction, with the spoken word of God over their lives, can be delivered and set free from that immediately. They don't necessarily need a 12-step program. However, 12-step programs are fantastic and do help many people. A true deliverance, a true calling of the name of uh, Jesus, calling our name, is an immediate effect on our current condition. An immediate effect on our current will. An immediate effect on what we are going through now. With definite and positive and a change of of circumstances to that. Are you broken? He mends you. Are you depressed? He gives you joy. Are you whatever? Are you comfortable? He causes you to discomfort in a positive way. I don't mean like this woman was discomfortable. Discomfortable? That's a new word for the day was uncomfortable. It's, it means that we get in this complacent place. It's kind of like in the uh, book of Revelation when Jesus, through 
uh, the vision given to John, looks to the church at Laodicea, and he tells them, you've become comfortable in your state. You say, I have everything. I have all that I need. And he says, you have nothing. I wish that you would either be hot or cold, but you've become lukewarm in your comfort, and therefore I will spew you out of my mouth. But, but then he calls out and says, I, I challenge you today to buy from me Buy from me. He's telling us today to draw from him something that has no cost to us. He paid the full price. He's saying, come to me. And immediately he snatches us up out of the painful scenario. He snatches us up out of our sickness. He will snatch you up out of your sin. He will snatch you up out of your broken states. Immediately. Immediately. Say immediately. So let's look back at verse 10 for just a second. Abigail, I didn't put these back in order, but you might just go. You can kind of backtrack to that. Verse 10 says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. I want to uh, discuss in this place today three simple ways, maybe, hopefully, if Jesus is involved, it may not be simple, but it's possible. Three ways to step outside of our box of comfort, our box of complacency, our box of sin, our box of sorrow, our box of pain, or simply just our, again, box of comfort. Three ways. Number one is to keep a peaceful mind, or we could say renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, what does it say up there? renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think one of the biggest uh, challenges to the move of God in our lives, and we call it the box, but this word calls it, or this, this passage of scripture calls it conformity. We've conformed to a set of systems, and that can be, we've conformed to what the world says is right, but oftentimes we even conform, uh, Alana, you and I were kind of talking about it this morning, we conform to what the church says is right. But listen, he has called us to be transformed, not Conformed, transformed how? By renewing our mind, by discerning what is the will of God. And I want to be clear in this that it is your responsibility to determine what the will of God is for your life. It is your responsibility to have your mind transformed. It is your responsibility to discover the word of God for your life, not just to get it from me. If the only word you get is from me, chances are 25% of it is fallible. Or 50, who knows? All of it is fallible. All of it is, the Bible says that the mouth of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Therefore, if the prophet prophesies and has poor grammar, is his grammar corrected instantly? No. If a prophet prophesies and, and he's got a strong southern, southern slang, does all of a sudden he sound like everybody? No, I've seen it where the prophet is only subject to the prophet. What, I, what am I saying? I'm saying that I'm fallible. And when I declare the words of God, I can sometimes get it wrong, even though he gave it to me right. But you've got to dive in. You've got to know the word of God. You've got to obey the word of God, but you've got to know for yourself. That's why I challenged you last week to have your word, your personal word. Our word for the church is outside the, the, the topic of this sermon series for the next few weeks. Outside, what is your word? What is God telling you? Because I cannot tell you what your word is. I can probably encourage you in that. I can probably say, yes, that's probably it. 
but I'm not going to stand up and say, do you know your word? No? Okay, well, let me tell you what it is. It's just not going to work that way. But this is a renewal of a mind. And if you've got, you've got to realize, though, that when we focus on, on the renewal of our mind, our mind is thinking on the right things if it's renewed towards the will of God. There's got to be peace. Can you imagine? We're thinking his way. We're operating his way. We're relying on his way. Can you imagine the peace that must come from that? Keep a peaceful mind. James chapter 1, 21 through 25 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. I, listen, I'm going to tell you right now that a person in sin is a person that is not in peace. Period. You cannot be in sin and be in peace at the same time. You cannot operate in wickedness and evil and have peace at the same time. Because of this internal consciousness, not consciousness, conscience, that's the word, conscience that we must have, this uh, knowing of right and wrong, but when we force our bodies towards what's right or wrong, then our, it, it's, it's a mess. There's no peace in that. It says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the, look at this word, implanted word, which is able to save your souls. This implanted word. Think about this. I, I'm renewing my mind. I'm seeking after the will of God. I, I, in doing so, it forces me to put away filthiness, to put away wickedness. And in this, I receive a peace or a meekness. And it comes from implanting by bearing, by hiding God's word deep in my heart. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It goes on. This implanted word is able to Save your soul. Wait a minute. Jesus is the only Savior. Well, in the book of John, chapter 1, the Word of God says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Later in there, it says the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. We're referring to Jesus. Jesus saves our soul. The Word that is given to us through Jesus and through Scripture is what processes processes in us the ability to function with a peaceful mind in the right standing that God has put on our lives. And then James goes on in verse 22, he says, be doers of the word. Don't just hear it. Don't just hear it only. It's as if you do that. You're deceiving yourself. It's not enough to hear something. You've got to do something with what you've heard. Uh, Paul said that I didn't know I was sinning until I was told I was sinning, and therefore then I was sinning. Before then, was he sinning? He didn't know it. How can you be convicted of it? How can you be held accountable for it? Once he knew what was going on, he became a doer of the word. Uh, God is always speaking into our lives, transformation, and we've got to rely on that and change our way of thinking time and time again, maybe on a daily basis. That's why we've got to get into Scripture. We've got to get into prayer. We have to have a daily personal encounter with God because in so doing, it causes this transformation in our lives where what we once did is no longer what is appropriate, but what we now do is seek after the heart of God which transforms everything about me. I no longer do that, I do this. I, I'm no longer in bondage to that, I'm in freedom to that because being a bondservant to Jesus is what I'm talking about, is the freest thing you will ever do. Verse 23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. You cannot do anything right now with what is looking back at you unless you do something. You see what it's saying there? 
You can't just stare at your mirror in the mirror at your, and, and hope that things change. But you've got to make an effort. You've got to make an action. You've got to do something different. The word repent says to do an about face. I was going this way towards one thing, and now I'm going that way towards another. And I, I want to encourage you to live in a place over the next few weeks of repentance. And that doesn't mean that every time you turn around, you're for, asking God to forgive you for your sin. And what? Let me, let me bring some more clarity to that. So many times when we think of repent, it's because we've committed big sins. Adultery, fornication, those are kind of the same. Um, Cussed the wrong place to the wrong person. uh, Got angry. But what if he's saying, doing about face just simply for not thinking big enough of what I can do through you? Doing about face from that. Turn from, this is all I'm ever going to be. I'm going to attend church and pray that I'm good enough to get into heaven. He says, no, think different. Repent of that thinking and think in a bigger way. Think in a greater capacity. Think outside the box. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, be no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Do you want to have your actions blessed? Do you want to have what you do be blessed? Do what the word of God tells you to do. And it's written through these pages here. And he also speaks to us things that will never contradict this, but things that are special and unique just to our relationship with him. You know, the way God speaks to me, I think, is a lot like, uh, is affected by our intimacy level with him. For example, conversations I have with Abigail, my daughter, are completely different and some of the conversations I could have with my wife, the intimacy is different. You see? So she and I, Vanessa and I, can share things in a way that Abigail and I will never share things. That's good. Our level of intimacy with God will directly relate to the level in which he shares to us who he is and who we are in him. That's good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16, goes on to say, Yet among the mature we do not impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers or, uh, or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. They didn't have this intimate encounter with God, for they had they would have not crucified him. Think about that. If they had gotten their relationship with God right, they wouldn't have missed the greatest move of God ever that ever was and that ever will be, and that was him sending his son to this earth. But no, because they didn't have that intimate connection with him, they took Jesus, they crucified him. Verse 9 says, But as is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared For those who love him. Does that sound like a get out of the box kind of scripture? There's no eye that has seen what God has specifically for you. There's no ear that has heard. There's no way to imagine what God can do. Because if you remember we opened up that he's doing exceedingly abundantly above all. He does more. He's moving beyond even our wildest imagination. 
He wants us outside of a box, and we've got to rely on him. I can't think it up. I can't dream it up. He can impart it. He can implant it in my life, and it's going to be wilder and bigger and crazier than I ever thought. And I'm hoping that you're not hearing this going, oh, crap, what have I gotten myself into? Hopefully you hear these things, and you're like, yes, let's do it. Because with God, the Bible says all things are possible. Verse 10 says, these things God revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts? Listen to this. Who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person? Who knows my thoughts except for me? Do you know what I'm thinking right now? In a second, you're going to know what I'm thinking because I'm going to say it. But do you know what I'm thinking? For who knows? A person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now I've received. This is awesome. No one comprehends but the spirit. And he says, but you, we, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. We have received God's spirit. We've received the, the, the part of God that reveals what he's thinking to us. That we might understand, get that, we might understand the things freely given to us. We don't live in a state of confusion based on what God's calling us to do, but we operate in a place of understanding, not in our own thought process, but in the way in which the Holy Spirit reveals God's process to us, and it's clear. It makes sense. And it goes on. Did I read that? Yes. Did I read that scripture? Anyone? You think? I'll read it again. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Yes, I did receive that. Go on to 13. Just, yeah. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom. That's why you can't just rely on me getting up here and opening the scripture. You've got to dive in to the word yourself through the empowering of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, which is the spirit of God, which knows and operates and understands the mind and the thought processes of God. How cool is the Holy Spirit right now, huh? It's not taught by human wisdom, but, by taught, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spirit person, however, the spirit person judges all things. Well, we're not supposed to judge. Well, what are we judging according to the Scripture? We're judging what our actions are, what our thought processes are. We're even trying to somewhat judge what God is telling us to do Is it him? Is it not him? But the Spirit of God makes it crystal clear. It does say God's to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind, look at this, of the Lord as to instruct him? Many times we say, God, this is how you're going to do it. All he's waiting on is saying, just know that I can do it. Don't look at me and say, God, you're going to provide this way. Look at me and say, I know, God, you will provide. Don't look at me and say, God, you're going to heal my body through this method. Look at him and say, God, I know you're going to heal my body. But with this spirit of God that lives within us, we can confidently say, we have the mind of Christ. 
mind of Christ is a renewed mind, a peaceful mind. And this woman in this moment had to get outside of her current condition and think towards the idea of things of God. And then we saw in verse 12 in our opening passage of Scripture in Luke, it says, when Jesus saw her, he called her. My second observation and, or, or way to get outside of the box is just clearly know this, God sees you. This phrase, come out, come out. You've got to step out of where you currently are. You've got to come out of your predicament. You've got to come out of your issue. You've got to come out of your comfort. You've got to come out of your situation. He's saying to you today, come out. And clearly know this, that you cannot come out and stay in at the same time. You cannot straddle comfort and the move of God. The move of God is not comfortable. And I don't mean like, again, warm. Oh, it's nice and the temperature is actually really good in here today. It's not that. The move of God says, get out of your rut. Get out of your place of comfort and move towards something that's new, uncharted territory, undiscovered, a way that you don't have a clue how it's going to come together except to know that God is going to see you where you are. Psalm 33, 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. Jesus would have never seen the woman she wasn't going to step out. She wasn't going to, in this place of fearing God, isn't, I'm afraid of you, therefore I'm going to hide in a corner. It's a, I'm afraid of what won't happen in my life if I resist your call. Can we get to that place? Where it's more important to be afraid of what I miss out on miss out on the move of God, miss out on his hand. I'm afraid that I would miss out on that if I stay here. Therefore, I'm going to step out. I'm going to fear you. It's a, it's a reverential. It's a, oh my gosh, whatever God you want to do, I want to partake in it. Isn't it interesting that in this scripture, we see the word fear and love. Scripture also tells us perfect love casts out all fear, different fear. There's this place of, I, I, I cannot miss out. It's the kind of fear I want. Cannot miss out. It's what brings me to church on Sunday and Wednesday. It's what puts me on my knees on Tuesday in the Word of God. It's what draws me into a constant desire to have relationship with Him. Is I don't want to miss out on God, what you have for me. Jeremiah 23, just two verses there, 23, 23, and 24. Follow that? I love this. Prophet declares of God, I am a God at hand. He says, declares the Lord and not a God far away. What an awesome thing to declare. God says, I'm not far away. I'm right here. It's like that old Bette Midler song. I've talked about it before where she sings, God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distant. No, God is sitting there and he's sitting there and he's sitting there. As a matter of fact, it's not that his individual self is sitting right here, but he is an omnipresent God. He's in all places at all times. And that's not because he's able to be multiple people. It's he's bigger than our situation. He's bigger than our world. He's bigger than our circumstance. He is so big that it's not that he has come in to sit among us. It's that we've stepped into where he is. I'm not far away, he says. 
So he goes on to say, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Here's the deal. He sees me. He sees you. He's calling you out. So do something now. Well, tomorrow. Today, life is how I want it. Tomorrow, maybe when today starts to get a little out of what I like, then tomorrow I'll step out. Tomorrow I'll get saved. Tomorrow I'll serve God. Tomorrow I'll do bigger things. T.D. Jake says, as long as you say someday you are postponing your deliverance, and I'm going to say it very boldly and very clearly, if you're living in a comfort zone that you have set for your life, you are living in bondage, and the only play to be place to be set free from that bondage is to get outside of the center of the box, to jump out into the realm of the impossible, the unimaginable, but the absolutely possible because the unimaginable thing that God can do in your life. Get out. Don't postpone the move of God for your life for today. Many have said tomorrow, God, only to find out that the river was flowing today. Tomorrow, there was no raft. There was nothing to get into. There was no way to partake of what God wanted. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not three weeks from now. It is today that we step into our deliverance. And I'd hate to miss out on that. God sees you. He loves you. He says, come out. Continuing on in verse 12 of our opening passage of Scripture, Jesus called her over and he said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. He laid his hands on her and immediately, immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. Number three, manifestation, the, the unimaginable, the realm at which we're called to live in, only follows faith. See, she had to step towards him. He called her to him. Had she stayed where she was, she wouldn't have found the deliverance that I'm talking about. She wouldn't have found the move of God. She wouldn't have found her healing. She wouldn't have found her call. Manifestation follows faith. In other words, be bold. Be bold. And bold doesn't necessarily mean loud. I know I'm loud. Bold is God operating with your personality to do things in ways that you would never have done them do things you would have never done before. Takes me to a passage of scripture. This is 94, 95. There was a book written called The Prayer of Jabez. I believe that was about that time, late 90s. It moved crazy throughout the world. But I want to look at this prayer of Jabez together. The First Chronicles, the Old Testament. Chapter 4, just two verses. Starts out with, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Now stop right there. I want to open this up. I want to show you something if I can. So I'm going to go to First Chronicles in my actual. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalm, Proverbs. Yes. Good old Bible drill days, right? Good Baptists in the room. Sorry. Look at this. 
and then Second Chronicles. Let me go back to First Chronicles. The chapter heading in my Bible says the descendants of, J- of Judah. And it says the sons of Judah, and it mentions uh, in verse 1, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, real close to Camry, just saying, Kerr, and Shobal, and it goes on and it talks about the, well, let's just keep reading, Reiah, the son of Shobal, fathered Jonathan, Jonathan fathered, and it goes on, and so-and-so fathered, and so-and-so fathered, and verse 4, it says, and Peniel fathered, and in verse uh, 5, Asher, the father of, in verse 6, Nera bore the hymn. If you need some children's names for your next kids, this is a great chapter to find some. Um, Ephrathah. Come here, Ephrathah. goes on, but in this verse 9, look at, let's back up verse 8. It says, Cause fathered Anub, Zobah, the clans of Aharhel, the son of Haram. And then just out of nowhere, it says Jabez. Not the son of nothing about fathering. In the midst of this lineage of the house of Judah, we've got this reference to a guy by the name of Jabez. Why why would he get attention in this moment? It's because he was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Now, verse 10 goes on. It says, Jabez called, listen to this. This is huge. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, oh, that. We sort of did this today when we said he was the way maker. You are, you are, you can, you will. And he says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. Oh, that you would bless me and get me outside of my box. Oh, that you would move in a way that causes me to step out of the realm in which I've been operating in. Oh, bless me, enlarge, expand, make greater my sphere of influence. Move me to a different place that your hand might be with me, not just on me, but with me. When my hand stretches out, his hand stretches out further. When my step is this way, his step is already, the word of God says, his word is lighting my path. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. This is a incredible place to be sitting in that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. Look at those last six words on the screen. Let's read those together. Here we go. And God granted what he asked. Huh. When was the last time you asked God to do something big? you. It's not selfish to ask God to bless you when you're using it to advance something, when you're using it to show how much bigger he is than you are, when you're doing it to show how much bigger he is than your situation. You see, in all that we do, God's ultimate goal is to pour through us his ability by our action to gain his glory. You follow that? Because I don't think I could repeat it. Telling us, in the middle of all of this, it's a love that oftentimes what he does for others, he will do for us. It's a, a biblical precedent. We've seen in the, in the courtroom a legal precedent for doing things. There is a biblical precedent set here, and it opens with this, in the middle, this interruption. Are you going to interrupt the status quo? Are you going to interrupt your box? You see, this box is... 
this person was born to this person, this person was born to this person, this is the father of that person. Oh, and then there's Jabez. We don't know anything about his father in this scripture. We don't know, is he part of this lineage? We don't know any of that from this passage of scripture. It says those six words, and God granted what he asked. And then verse 11, Shalab, the brother of Shuha, the father of. One in this place today to invite you to invite God to cause a break in the way things are going. To move in a way that he can bless you indeed. So, what an incredible thing. And then, well, that's just me. Where am I? Two more pages of notes. This is so good. (laughs) Sorry. Every now and then, you just, you, you, you've never preached. You don't understand, I don't think, what I'm feeling at the moment and what I'm going through and how a plan just comes together. And I'm feeling this is a brilliant, amazing God is speaking. It's like he is standing in this room talking to us. And I wasn't ready to be done talking, and, and I, I forgot. I have two more pages of notes, so let's see. Can we see where this takes us? I know, I'm, I'm a little wordy today, but can we go on? You want to go on? Is this good? Are you enjoying this? What am I doing? get there. I, we, we're fine. I need to get this. This is an outside the box moment. We will. You know what? We're doing it. Whitney's mom is, you know Whitney. Ashley's is apparently she's been uh, it's, it's a miracle she made it through the night. Um, and now she's not doing well and taking an even further turn for the worse. So why don't we speak healing peace in that situation. God's will, which is to take us home from a healthy state, not a sick state. Father God, right now I lift up, I'm assuming it's Whitney's mom, based on the Facebook posts and everything this morning. God, you are bigger than the doctors, bigger than medication and machines, bigger than that situation. Lord, I declare her body whole in Jesus' name. Give her peace. Give Whitney peace. In Jesus' name. Think about this. And God granted what I ask. We just asked of God in this place just now. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone. Do you see that word? Some people? A few people? A select few? What does it say? Everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, that, that, one, that word one there isn't a, that only person. It is a, it's almost like a pronoun for y'all. That one Who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks will be open. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If if Wright asks for food, you give him his binky instead? Sometimes we do that because we know it's not the right time. But we let them starve. 
If he asks for a fish, do you give him a serpent? If he asks for something good for him, do you give him something that will harm him? If then, if you then, who are evil, think about that. Yes, I called you evil, but not really. Because we are the righteousness of Christ. You are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father who is in heaven give good gifts to give give good things to those who ask him? See the theme here? Ask. Be bold. I, I ask I, I actually I, I would think that as we begin to pray over the next twenty one days that we wouldn't pray, bless me, Lord. Simply. We'd get crazy and audacious and big and we'd begin to prophesy like we talked about last week into our 2020. Ask for big things, bold things, crazy things, outlandish things. Imagine big and watch him do bigger than we can imagine. And John 14, 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Why? The Father may be glorified by who? The Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Then Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Think about closing this with that, almost. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why can I rejoice in the Lord always? Because his plans are bigger and better. I have faith and trust in him. And the writer here says, Again, I will say, in case you didn't catch it the first time, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. That's a big thing in this moment. Because we think about getting out of our comfort zone, out of our box, out of our realm of which we know how to operate in the realm of which we don't know how to operate, but we have to have God to help us operate, and therefore it's the better way to operate. I think there could be some anxiety, don't you think? But he says, don't be anxious about anything. Listen, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, or just request, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And verse 7 happens, the peace of God. You want peace? Peace is not synonymous with comfort. Peace is synonymous with getting into the place that God has for you. The peace of God which surpasses all. See that? Understanding? So peace is operating in the unimaginable. You want peace? Operating the unimaginable. Watch God move beyond what you're capable of, and you will find peace. It will guard your hearts. It will set up a fortress around you and your minds. You have problems with your thought process? Get into the unimaginable and watch how what you think about changes You're no longer craving or being drawn to. You are now uh, being uh, moved by the Spirit of God, and it will guard your hearts and minds. How? In Christ Jesus. And then the last scripture, we go back to 1 Chronicles. Jump several chapters up to chapter 16. And it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. This is crucial. Make known his deeds among the peoples. If you're doing what you're capable of doing, therefore God's not able to do greater things through you, therefore he can't get glory. What do you have to talk about? See, the norm for us should be able to make God's deeds known among 
the people. And the only way we get into the realm of God's deeds is to get into the unimaginable. And when we watch God move in our situation, we watch him move and pull us out of our spot. We can do this according to verse 9. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. You see, the next 21 days is a time of rejoicing because we're seeking the Lord. We're seeking him to do bigger things. We're seeking him to do move uh, beyond what we're capable of. We're seeking him to where we can only point to him and say, yep, my God did that. Seek the Lord and his strength. <laughs> Bless you. Seek his presence occasionally. Oh, wait a minute. I think I read that wrong. Sometimes, once a day, just before meals, continually, it says. I love this. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. His miracles and the judgments he uttered. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I think outside the box is the better place to be. Outside the box is joy. Outside the box is peace. Outside the box is crazy. It's amazing. So I want to ask you today, those on the podcast, those listening online, hopefully there's some online. Will you go to the unimaginable with me? With this church? Will you step out of your comfort? If so, you're ready to go on this wild journey and ride with us you stand (laughs) well i sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast if it has blessed you please click the subscribe leave some feedback Uh, should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern oklahoma Feel free to go to our website, wlmiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.